The risen Jesus Christ by his spirit is in me. What that fundamentally means is that tomorrow does not have to be like yesterday. You are free. You are free. You are free. And when you believe that, it gives you hope and it gives you power and the willingness to move forward again in the confidence of the gospel. God has set you free. So glad you joined us for today's Unlimited Grace, the audio broadcast ministry of pastor and author Brian Chapel. In today's episode, Pastor Brian shares the second half of a lesson from Galatians 2. Dr. Chapel illuminates this text and the reality that as believers, we are crucified with Christ and can claim the victory and find our identity in Him. You can find this lesson and many others when you visit unlimitedgrace.com. And while you're there, look for this wonderful resource from Dr. Chapel, Holiness by Grace. In this book, Pastor Brian will guide you through reassuring scripture passages to discover how works and obedience are not a means of establishing or maintaining salvation, but a grateful response to God's mercy. Let's hear now from Dr. Brian Chapel as he shares the second half of the lesson, United for Life. I am crucified with Christ. It is a horrible image. But as horrible as is the image, it is actually the antidote. First for spiritual pride, and then for spiritual despair. For after all, if if we are so crucified, so having been identified with the death of Christ, that, that our doing, our acting, our performing doesn't count anymore. What that means ultimately is that our achievements don't distinguish us from one another. And that's important because the way many of us approach God, approach even the church is, now listen, we we all say to one another, I know I'm not perfect. I mean, I'm not right before God because I know I'm not perfect. I'm just better than you. But if you're dead, your achievements don't matter. I I mean, there are no meritorious rewards for dead people. Dead people don't get good report cards. Dead people don't get sports trophies. Dead people do not get recognition for their merit because they're dead. Their achievements are no longer on the table. And the apostle is saying to you and to me, if your faith is in what somebody else has done, what Jesus has done for you, then, then you have no basis for pride. And we enter the church not saying to one another, listen, uh, the reason I can be here and the reason I can distinguish myself from the world is because I, I dress different, or my worship is better, or my theology is better, or my actions are better. Dead people don't get credit for any of those things. We, we're kind of level with one another, and we're level with people who don't understand as much and haven't caught up and don't measure up and haven't got it all put together yet. Being crucified with Christ, united to his death, puts the death to spiritual pride. It also puts death to spiritual despair. Because if my achievements do not distinguish me, What that also means is that my failures do not destroy me. Dead people don't get bad report cards. 
Dead people don't get traffic tickets. Dead people are dead. And that means that all that brings us shame and guilt and remorse is dead. According to the words of the apostle, nailed to the cross, it is crucified in my being. What was true of me is now nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ, and it is dead. So that we can't be a body of people who gather in these numbers without recognizing among us there are those people who think back over family and career and personal performance. And what comes to mind is is the pain of guilt and shame. And I say, my family was never what I thought it was going to be. I was never the father I thought I was going to be. I have struggled with addictions. I I have struggled with integrity. What people look at is the way in which I have gotten ahead. I know in my heart of hearts would be before God justly causing my condemnation. And we cannot but look back over the course of our lives and say, there is no reason I should be here. Except this. What is true of me when taken to Christ is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more? I'm not just talking about other people. I mean, I think of my own, my own life. I mean, one of, one of the joys, some of you will recognize, one of the joys of this morning. You know, here I am, Grace Presbyterian Church, this, this wondrous church, and some people from downstate Illinois, one of the first churches I pastored, came to be with us today. I didn't know they were coming, but here they are. And, and I can remember a particular Thanksgiving when I was pastoring that church, and our first child came along. So on that first Thanksgiving with this new child, we went from downstate Illinois, down Highway 55 to, to Memphis, Tennessee, where my parents were. And on the way back from that Thanksgiving weekend, there was a freak early snowstorm. Now, as we were driving north on Highway 55, up through that snowstorm, we were driving in our, in our vintage Ford Pinto, and <laughs> you remember those? Yeah? You know, you hit them in the back, they explode, remember those? Yeah? <laughs> and, you know, the highway's starting to fill up with snow, and, and uh, my wife at some point says, Brian, could we pull off the road and, and stay somewhere overnight. And now, listen, this first church, how do I say this to you? It was not the size of Grace Church Peoria. <laughs> it was little. And the salary was little. <laughs> and I quickly did the math. You know, if we stayed in a hotel, it, it would literally take us months to get back to level. So when Kathy said, Brian, can we stay, what did Brian do? Yeah, I kept driving. (laughs) You know, the snow kept piling up. Brian, I kept driving. I kept driving until the highway department closed the roads because the snow had piled up. And we had to pull off in a hotel and stay overnight. And I must tell you, do you know every time we go to my parents' home in Memphis, even today, we have to pass that hotel. <laughs> I hang my head, you know. I can... Because I think to my, you know, I think to myself, who was that guy who to save a few dollars would put everything dear to him at risk? His family, his new child. Who was that guy? 
What a blessing to my heart to know what the scriptures say. My sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It is the promise of the gospel that because we're united to Christ, we're united to his death, and all that would bring us shame, all that would bring us guilt is nailed to the cross, and we bear it no more because we are united to the death of Christ. Isn't it great to be dead? (laughs) But of course, that's not the end of the story. I mean, that's just the first part of Galatians 2.20, right? I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but somebody lives. Who is it? Christ lives. Where does he live? In me. I'm not just united to the death of Christ. I am united to the life of Christ. Now, listen, we are talking about things that are spiritual. I haven't got a math or a science for this. But what the Bible is saying is that by faith... We are united to the one who rose from the dead so that his life is now ours in dwelling us. His very presence by his Holy Spirit is giving us life, a heartbeat for Christ. Now, just so you feel the significance of that, I want to ask you a question. If, If you're dead and Jesus is alive in you, Who are you? Now, you see, nobody wants to say they're Jesus. Okay, all right. I get it. All right. So so I'll make the question a little easier. If you're dead and Jesus is alive in you, whose identity do you have? Jesus Christ. No, no, it's, it's just me, this... Weak, flawed, no, listen, I know that, but that's dead. And Jesus is alive in your place. And that reality changes everything. It it, it changes the way you start to read the Bible. It's more than saying, I have the love of Jesus deep, deep down in my heart. It's, it's, It's actually saying that his identity has become yours. So the Apostle Paul can say, you know this, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is what? For me to live is Christ. Colossians 3.4, Christ is your life. That means everything that's true of him, his life, his righteousness, his holiness, has now come in your place, in your stead. And, and to, to feel that, we we have to actually begin to say, what would it mean if what's true of Christ is now being applied to my account? So that if you can let your mind go for just a moment, just, just kind of let it fly. If, if we were not here but on a mountaintop, and I were to say to you, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father takes care of them. Aren't you better than they? And the wisdom of that Sermon on the Mount is mine. There's a woman coming down the road in a funeral procession. She's a widow. And the one in the casket is her only son. And as the 
procession gets close to me, I reach out and I touch the casket. I'm not supposed to. A Jewish holy man is not supposed to touch things of the dead. But I touch the casket and I raise the boy to life and I give him back to his mother. And the compassion of that act is mine. Satan comes to me and tempts me with the power and the pleasures of this world, 40 days and nights in the desert, I resist him with the truth of the word of God and the righteousness of that act is mine and it is yours because those who put their faith in Jesus Christ have their sin nailed to the cross but the living presence of the risen Lord within them so what is true of him is true of them. It's actually what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. Christ has become for us wisdom from God, our holiness, our righteousness, our redemption. All that is true of him has become ours. And we access this, we hold it, we receive it by faith, not in my work, but in his work in my behalf. You're listening to Unlimited Grace, the audio broadcast ministry of pastor and author Brian Chapel. God instructs us in His Word to be holy as He is holy. How can God expect us to be as holy as He is? Such a standard seems either to ignore our frailty or to impose certain failure. That is, until we understand how God views us. In this challenging yet heartwarming book, Holiness by Grace, Dr. Brian Chappell illustrates the principles of grace, the practices of faith, and the motives of love in living a life of holiness. Pastor Brian will guide you through reassuring scripture passages to discover how works and obedience are not a means of establishing or maintaining salvation, but a grateful response to God's mercy. Holiness by grace draws straight from the heart of God, as Pastor Brian's encouraging words will help you understand that your holiness is not so much a matter of what you achieve as it is the grace that God provides, a grace so rich as to make the pursuit of His holiness your soul's deepest delight. You can request your copy of Holiness by Grace when you go online to unlimitedgrace.com or by calling 844-41-GRACE. That's 844-414. 7223. And now, more from Brian Chappell on today's Unlimited Grace. We can understand how the credit of another would be applied to us. I mean, now some of you in the room, you, you are old enough to remember that when you went and you got gas at the gas station, you did not pay at the pump. What did you have to do? Right? You had to go in the station house, take out your wallet and pay. Now, you don't do that anymore, right? I mean, you just step out of the car and you pay right at the pump. Actually, I've discovered I don't have to go to the gas station at all anymore. I can send my daughter. (laughs) Now, at, at today's prices, she cannot pay. So what does she take? 
She takes my credit card. She takes my identity. She takes my riches such as they are, you know. Because we are dead and Christ is alive in us. All that is true of his, of him, his his riches of righteousness and wisdom and love are put to our account. We are dead. But his identity is ours, and that changes absolutely everything. It means means that we are first profoundly loved. We are free from a sense of rejection as though the wrath of God were still against us. Listen, we can't be here without recognizing in honesty and candor before a holy God that, that he has a just rage against us. And yet that same God would send his son so that that beloved son, the prince of heaven, would give himself for our sin upon a cross, take the sin upon himself. And for that reason, now with his identity, God looks to us and says, you're mine. I mean, think about that. We, we sometimes tease one another, people who are just coming to the faith, who begin to say, you know, wouldn't it be great if, if God were like Jesus? And we say, by the way, he is like Jesus. But sometimes people say, wouldn't it be great if God were to love me like he loves Jesus? And the truth of the gospel is, he does. You are free from rejection and self-shame and self-guilt and self-condemnation because you have the identity of Jesus Christ by faith in his work on your behalf. That's not the end. Listen, the, the, the last words here say, I not only live, now I live in the flesh by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He died upon the cross for my sin. But, but that's not all that's said. He is alive. And where does he live? In me. That means that the same resurrection power that brought Jesus from the grave now exists in me. There has been, listen, I I don't have a math for it, but there is a spiritual reality that has occurred which we claim by faith, which is this, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now is in me. And so when I'm struggling with addictions, when I'm struggling with trying to overcome the things that, that paralyze or simply take away my sense even of being human at times because of what I struggle with, And Satan will come and say, you can't help it. You can't fix it. It's the way you've always been. It's actually God's fault he made you that way. We respond with the truth of Scripture and we say, that is a lie. Do not tell me that I am powerless. The risen Jesus Christ by his spirit is in me. What that fundamentally means is that tomorrow does not have to be like yesterday. You are free. You are free. You are free. And when you believe that, it gives you hope and it gives you power and the willingness to move forward again in the confidence of the gospel. God has set you free. And when you know it, when you know it, shame is put away and the willingness and the power to live for Jesus Christ is yours. 
Much of my family is here today, but, but not my wife. She's doing our music program back at Covenant Church in St. Louis because she's still employed there <clears throat> for another few weeks. But she taught high school for a number of years, and, and one of the profound moments for her was when a learning specialist came to a class one day to test the young people who were struggling. And there was one young man in particular who the learning specialist discovered in the testing had this strange disconnect between what went into his brain and what he could reproduce on paper through his hand. Now, if you're just asking the test questions verbally, he he could respond verbally. But if you ask him to write it down, he could not do it. How well do you think he'd done in school? Miserable. But he did not know why until this day. At the end of the school day, the specialist invited this young man to the faculty meeting afterwards and and asked him a question. Johnny, before today, what did you think about yourself? And he said it in high school terms. He said, I thought I was stupid. And then she said, and now, Johnny, what do you know about yourself? He said, now I know I'm not stupid. Wasn't that a great gift she gave to him? She said, Now, there's still some work to do, but now you know you can. She told him his true identity and his real power. What did God do for you this day? For those who are struggling with the sense that God hates me and there's no basis for his love, he actually says to you, by faith in Jesus Christ, you are free from condemnation. You are as loved as God the Father loves Jesus the Son. And those who think, I will never be different, I will never be changed, and here you are free from powerlessness. God has said to you, you are made new. The power of the risen Lord is in you, and you can really be free. Hi, friend. This is Pastor Brian again. Today, we've considered how the Bible encourages us to trust our Savior. And if you find yourself in a situation today where you need to trust Jesus more with what's going on in your life, then I want to pray for you. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, as we begin to grasp the power and the love of Jesus' passion for us, we reach toward him, and we know that's what you want. You want us to turn to our Savior with the confidence that he can and will hold us through all of life's trials and for eternity. So when we see how Jesus gave his life in order to save sinners like us, we love him, we turn to him, we trust him. Help us to do that right now. Even if our circumstances are tough and our sins are great, help us to believe that no matter how great is the difficulty or how heavy is our baggage, how deep may be our shame, there really is hope for each of us when we trust in Jesus. Your son has your heart and your power. So we ask that your Son, Heavenly Father, this 
Jesus Christ that we're turning to would pardon our sin, help us to live for you, and hold us for eternity. That's a big prayer. But his grace is big enough. And so we ask that you would apply it to our lives as you know is best, for then we will be truly blessed. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's Pastor Brian Chapel, and you've been listening to Unlimited Grace. If you'd like to hear more from Dr. Chapel, you can find a collection of valuable resources at unlimitedgrace.com. When you visit, you will find today's message and many others from Pastor Brian. Also, be sure to request a copy of Dr. Chapel's book, Holiness by Grace. We'll send you this book right away as our way of saying thank you for your most generous financial support. Please be sure to join us next time as once again we endeavor to put Christ at the center of our efforts so that lives might be transformed by His unlimited grace. This ministry is brought to you by Unlimited Grace Media and continues to be made possible with your generous financial support.